If you've got your Bible this morning, and I pray that you do, turn to the book of 1 John. 1 John. We're going to be looking at several passages in 1 John. But just for uh, getting us started this morning, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read just verse 13. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. I know you just sat down, but if you would, one more time, uh, stand just to give reverence to reading this living and powerful Word. If you need to remain seated, God understands. You keep your seat. First John chapter 5, verse 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Alright, here we go. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I love studying the, the writings of uh, John. He makes it very clear in every one of his writings, this is my purpose in writing this letter. And so this morning, let me read it one more time so you know everything we read from this, this is the purpose of why he put it down. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can be seated. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer one more time. And I'd like to ask if um, Mr. Bobby Powell, would you ask the Lord to bless the reading of His Word and just let us hear what He means for us to hear. Lord Jesus, and God, just let it creep, let it creep, 
in the holy name of your son, I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to continue in the series that I started last week. Remember, if you were here, I began teaching a series on what it means to be born again. You know, we met a man named Nicodemus last week, and he came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees. In other words, he was of the strictest sect of of Judaism, so he was a very, very religious person. He was a ruler of the Jews, and so not only was he a very strict person, but he was one who actually took the law and interpreted it so that he could rule over people according to the law. So this was a man that followed the law of God to a T. He was as religious as anybody you have ever met. Uh, he was a ruler of the Jews. And, so he, and we also saw that he was the teacher of Israel. That literally, he was the teacher that, that, that taught all of Israel. And so this guy comes to Jesus by night. And he believes many things about Jesus. He believes Jesus is a great teacher. He believes Jesus is from God and that Jesus has been with God. And so he he believes a lot of good things about Jesus. But as religious as he is, as good as he thinks he is, all the things that he has going for him, Jesus looks at him and he says, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see and you will not see the kingdom of God. And that's pretty important that you and I hear that this morning. Because I don't care how often you go to church. I don't care how often you read this Bible. I don't care how many times a day you pray. Nicodemus probably prayed more than anybody in here. But unless you are born again, you cannot and you will not see the kingdom of God. And so we learned last week that The reason why Jesus put it this way is because we are dead as sinners. We have cut ourselves off from the source of life. And because we did, Romans 1 tells us, we didn't want God in our knowledge, we didn't want Him in our minds. We have impure hearts and we didn't want God's ways in our hearts. We have dishonorable passions and we don't want God's passions in us, but we want what we want. This world is about us. We're God, not God. And the Bible says that because of that, that God has literally gave us over or withdrawn Himself from us. And whenever you are on life support and someone pulls the plug, what is your only option? Death is it. And so we are dead in our sins because we follow the course of this world. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we follow the course of this world and that's why we are dead in our sins. And so we saw that that His wrath is on us because of us not wanting to acknowledge Him. We will not honor Him. We will not give Him thanks. But instead, we would rather worship the creation rather than the Creator. And all of this is in Romans chapter 1. Here's here's the summary of it. You are dead men walking. And we are all walking toward an eternal death if we are not born again. We have to have a new heart. We have to have a new mind. We have to have new passions. And this is something that, the truth of the matter is, you can't do on your own. But the good news is, God told, has been telling us for years and years that this is what He was going to do. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 27, 
Ezekiel actually is a prophet, and here's what God tells Ezekiel to tell his people. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Who will do it? I will. God will. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness, and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. Alright, keep going with me. And I will give you a what? A new heart. And I will give you a new spirit. And I will put it within you. That spirit there is he's talking about a mind. I'm going to give you a new mind. I'm going to give you a new heart. Because again, this mind has been given over to debased ways and for you to follow your own heart. You ever wondered when you turn on the news, why is the world in the shape it's in today? It's because everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Nobody goes by the same standard of goodness anymore. We now just look at whatever I think is right in my own heart, and if it feels good and it's right to me, I do it. You're dead. You have cut yourself off from the source of life and your only hope is that God comes in and gives you a new heart, puts a new spirit within you, that He removes the heart of stone from your flesh and gives you a heart of flesh and that I will put my, notice the capital S here, I will put my spirit. So this is not just a new mind, but He is going to give you His divine nature as first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 says, God has given us a divine nature when you are born again. He puts His Spirit within you, and look what that does. It causes you to walk in my statues. Before, you had no desire to really be pleasing to God unless it actually agreed with you and your ways. So you're okay with God, and I'll praise God as long as God don't come in and say, Thou shalt not. I counsel with people all the time today, Christians, Christian people, living in sin, living in sin. And whenever I talk to them about it and I, and I show it to them, the fact of the matter is because in their mind, the culture of today says, this is not a big deal. Our culture today says, this is okay. But they fail to understand that just because the culture says it's okay, don't mean that God's standard has changed. And so here, we have to be caused to walk in His statues. There has to be something in your heart and in your mind that happens. Something in your life that happens that says, I want to follow God. And when you are born again, and you're given a heart that wants to follow God, you'll know it. When you are born again, and you're given a mind that wants to learn the ways of God, you'll know it. And when God has put His Spirit in you to lead you and guide you and convict you of sin, guess what? You'll know it. Let me show you the example, um, and I don't have to take you there. You, were, you heard it last week. When John was talking to Nicodemus, he gave an example because Nicodemus said, I don't get it. Am I supposed to get back in my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, let me explain it to you. It's like the wind. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. But one thing about it, you know that it's been there. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know how it happened. But God did it. He said, I will 
give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you. And I will cause you to follow me and to walk in my statues. And so we have to be born again. A good way to see this is in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7, Titus has given us an explanation of what it means to be born again. And he talks about the darkness that we are in. Let me go there. Is it up there? All right. Look what he says. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Remember, we had dishonorable passions, we had impure hearts, we had debased minds. Romans chapter 1, if you want to read that for yourself. And God gave us over to it. And we were all once that away. No one was exempt from it. You were born that away. But we were passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, I love it whenever you see that word, but, in the Word of God. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, did what? Appeared. Appeared. Notice what it says next. When it appeared, He saved us. He cleansed us from all of our uncleanliness. He cleansed us from all of our sin. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own what? It's just the mercy of God. How much did you have to do with your first birth? How many of you did anything to take part in your first birth? It's just His mercy. He does it. And it happened by the washing of regeneration. Literally, regeneration means being born again. means to give it new life. And so there was a washing, a cleansing that took place that gave you a new life. Not because of works, but because of His mercy. It was by the washing of regeneration and by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is the reason why we have to be renewed in the spirit of our minds every single day. And He poured out on us this Holy Spirit richly through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And so there you see, and I could take you to many other places, but that's not my goal this morning. My goal is to get back to 1 John. But the point being is that being born again means that you have become a new creation. I'm not saying you're perfect because you're not. You still have the flesh. You're still fighting with the flesh. All right, But you have desire in you now to turn away from this flesh and follow God. And so as the Holy Spirit points out the things in our life that don't belong, we don't just sit there and say, well, the culture is okay with it, so we'll just keep doing it. No. Being born again says, God speak to me. Teach me, guide me, show me, and then cause me to walk in your ways because I have a desire to follow you. And once again, you must be born again or you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to look at a few scriptures to prove that to you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, look at what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has 
come. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but what? A new creation. And you could translate that today to say, neither baptism or unbaptism counts for anything, but let me tell you what counts. A new creation. All that baptism did was point to a physical demonstration of what God has done in you spiritually. All that circumcision did was pointed to a physical demonstration of what God has done to you spiritually. He has cut away the flesh. He has washed you clean and He has given you new life in Jesus Christ to walk in. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 For we are His workmanship. What's that next word say? Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. And to put on the new self. And how's it, what's the new self? It's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God is making a new creation out of you. Anybody that says, I've been born again, and yet I can continue to live in my old sinful ways, I'm sorry, you must be born again. God must put a new heart in you. God must put a new spirit in you, a new mind in you, and God must put His Holy Spirit in you to lead you and cause you to walk in His ways. And you know, that's the point. I'm going to get to 1 John here in a minute. Can I preach this morning? That is the point of Ezekiel chapter 37. Anybody in here remember the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones? Now, Ezekiel 36, we just read there. He said, I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new mind. I will cause you to walk in my ways. And to, in order to show Ezekiel a demonstration of that, in Ezekiel 37, the very next chapter, this is the whole point, he brings Ezekiel to this valley. And this valley is full of dry bones. Matter of fact, Ezekiel looked at him and said, they're very dry. It's just bones. And you remember what God asked Ezekiel? Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Only you know, Lord. He said, I tell you what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to speak to these bones. I want you to prophesy to these bones. And say to these bones, Thus says the Lord, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will call sinews or muscles to come up around the bones and tendons and joints and you shall live. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And the Bible says that Ezekiel came and he spoke the word of the Lord to him. He just took what God said and he said, Hey bones, thus says the Lord, let the breath from all four winds come forth and fill you. And the Bible says whenever he spoke that word, that literally the bones started joining together. And he said it become a great army of people that the skin formed and all these dry bones that were completely dead came to life. And you know how it happened? The Word of God was spoke. And when the Word of God was spoke, that's the reason why Paul says faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing what? And so here we have this morning, you remember last week when I took you to 2 Corinthians and Paul said, the same God that said, let there be light. And there was light. 
is the same God that has shown in our hearts and given us knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ who is the image of God. All he's saying is this, when God speaks and He says, let there be, guess what happens? When the Word of God speaks and God draws you and you hear from Him and you understand the gospel and you understand that you are a sinner and you understand and believe that Jesus is the Son of God that gave His life as a sacrifice for your sins, you feel the Spirit of God moving in you and you cry out to Him to forgive us Forgive me for what I have done. Forgive me for being a sinner. And at that moment, God comes in and He cleanses you. And He puts a new heart in you. And He puts a new mind in you. And He puts His Spirit in you. And He draws you to follow Him and turn away from your sin. That's what it means to be born again. Church, listen to me. I don't care how many times you've been to an altar and prayed a prayer. I don't care how many times that preacher has stood up there and said, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And um, if you, if you want to have Jesus this morning, lift your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I don't care how many times you raised your hand. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Y'all tracking with me this morning? So we got to ask the question, how can I know? That I've been born again. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now remember something about, um, about Nicodemus. He believed in Jesus. Go back and read it. He believed in Him, but he wasn't born again. John says, listen, I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know that you have Eternal life. And so what we have in this is a test that John gives us. The book of 1 John or the letter of 1 John is literally, the whole thing is a test so that you can give yourself and you can see whether or not you have eternal life or not. So go to, with me to 1 John chapter 1. Let's go through this test and let's see how we fare. 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2, and I'm going to show you how he starts off. He starts off with his purpose, and then he ends in chapter 5 with his purpose. So at the very beginning he says, this is why I'm writing, and at the very end he says, this is why I'm writing. So in 1 John chapter 1 verse 2 he said, the life, he's talking about Jesus here, was made manifest. In other words, it was revealed in the flesh. And we have seen it. All the apostles saw it firsthand. We've seen it. We testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. John says, listen, one of my reasons for writing this letter is I'm proclaiming to you the eternal life. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word. John's going to preach the gospel here. He says, I proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, and those are these next two words, so that you too may have fellowship 
with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So here's what you see in this. John wants to know that you have the same fellowship in eternal life that he's proclaiming to you that he has and all the apostles have in eternal life with the Father and with the Son. And so what he wants to know here is that you can pass the test so that you can know that you have fellowship with him. Now listen, fellowship is not the same as being together. You are in the church together with a bunch of people this morning. That does not mean you're in fellowship. I think I heard Nick say one time, you can take two cats and tie them together by the tail, sling them over a clothesline. They're together. They're together. But do they have fellowship? No, they don't. Fellowship means we are working together for the same goal. That means that we are in this thing right now with the same mindset, the same common purpose. And if you are in here with the same purpose as as I am, we have fellowship. And we work together toward that fellowship. Me and the worship team this morning, we have fellowship. They want to lead you in worship, I want to worship. (laughs) They want to worship, I want to worship. Right now, if you're listening to the Word of God and you're not sitting there looking at your watch trying to figure out what time you're going to get out so you can get to Kentucky Fried Chicken or wherever it is you're going to go, if you're sitting here this morning actually listening to see what God thus says the Lord, if that's what you want to hear, we're in fellowship this morning. If you're just sitting here waiting on me wanting to know when is this preacher going to shut up and get done, we ain't in fellowship this morning. Matter of fact, you might as well get on up and head out right now. And I ain't saying that to be rude. That's just the truth. You're not here for the right reason. But if you want to know what God has to say, we're in fellowship. And John says, I write this thing because I want you to have fellowship with us, the same fellowship with the Father and the Son that we have. And and what I'm proclaiming to you is the eternal life that He gives, all right? So let's take the test. Let's get down to see in uh, John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him, and we proclaim it to you. Here's the message. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Here's the first test. The first test is, do you hate your sin or are you comfortable in your sin? Anybody that says, I have fellowship with God and I am ready to enjoy eternal life with Him and we're working together for that same goal. Anybody that says that, but they walk in darkness, is a liar. And the truth is not in them. Because God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, does that mean that you have no sin and that the only way you're born again is if you don't have any sin in your life? No, keep reading with me. He goes further. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So in other words, if we're walking in the light, we have fellowship with each other because we're working together for the same goal, eternal life. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all our sin. And then look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, what do we do? We lie. We deceive ourselves. What does it mean to be deceived? Not tell the truth? Misled? We trick ourselves? We trick ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And look at verse 9. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Here's the first test. Do you hate your sin? Or are you comfortable with your sin? You're very comfortable walking in your sin. You, there's, there's not a, now I'm not saying that an unbeliever can't be uncomfortable and miserable in sin. No, an unbeliever can have a, um, can have, um, uh, he can have, a, uh, she can have an addiction of some kind and they be miserable in it because they recognize where they're at. But I'm not talking about just sorrow because I see something in my life that don't belong. I'm talking about sorrow because I know I'm not walking with God. Miserable. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us don't grieve Him. We can quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't quench it. So again, John is not saying here that that, uh, you fail the test if you have any sin in your life. He's not saying you fail the test if you grieve the Holy Spirit. He's not saying you fail the test if you quench the Holy Spirit. He's saying here that a true born-again believer with a new mind, a new heart, and the Holy Spirit inside of him, he cannot continue to just walk in darkness and just be okay with it. He can't do it. No, the truth of the matter is, the Holy Spirit is eating him alive and he's quenching it and, and, and he's grieving it. But eventually there will come a point that... He will confess his sin. And he will believe that God is going to cleanse him from all of his unrighteousness. And he will trust that God is faithful. That God is just to do exactly what he promised he will do if we will confess our sin. He is faithful and He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. And that is the life of a true born-again believer. Listen to me. If you are a believer this morning and you can just continue to live in darkness, I don't care what it is, darkness, something that you know is not of God, and you can just be okay and be content in it, you are to question whether or not you have a new heart. You are to question whether or not you've been given a new mind. You are to question whether His Holy Spirit is in you and causing you to walk in His ways. And if you don't see those things happening, but you walk in darkness, let me read again and look at 1 John chapter 1, verse, um, verse uh, 6 again. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, what do we do? We lie and we do not practice the truth. Remember, He wrote these things. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. Right? This is the first test. Do you pass? Let me tell you something about me. This is the reason, this is the reason why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 15... He said, I don't understand my ways. Here it is. 
For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that what? <laughs> Anybody in here know what Paul's talking about? Let me tell you something about me. I'm not a born-again believer because I don't have sin in my life. But one thing I know about being born again, I hate my sin. I hate it. I'm miserable in it. One of the ways you can tell that I'm not right with God, all you got to do is look and see how, how um, snotty I am. When I'm, not, when I'm not where I'm supposed to be, most of the time I'm miserable. I'm miserable. And that is one of the evidences that I can look at my life and I can know. I can know that He's given me a heart for Him. He's given me a mind for Him. And I'm not okay following my own ways. Because I don't understand my actions. <laughs> I do... I, I do not do what I want to do, and, and the very thing that I do is the thing that I hate it. I hate it. And let me tell you something, I can't stay there forever. I can't stay there forever. I'll have to confess it. I'll have to repent of it. And I will trust that He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. So, a hatred of sin and the inability to just live comfortably in it is the evidence of being born again. If you don't see that in your life, guys, listen, thus says the Lord, you must be born again. And you need to be crying out to Him this morning saying, God, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have that. God, please, put your heart, put, put a new heart in me. Put a new mind in me. Give me your spirit. Let me know that you have forgiven me and cleansed me of all of my unrighteousness. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, the Bible says we are saved by grace through what? Faith. Let me give you a little example of that for just a minute. You remember when Jesus was walking through healing people? You remember when He came up to this lame man and um, this lame man was laying there and Jesus walked up to him and said, Hey, do you want to walk? Well, what do you think the man's going to say? Well, yeah, I want to walk, but what? I can't walk. And was that a lie? No. That man can't walk. And so he's got two choices. He's heard the Word of God. Do you want to walk? He's heard it, right? And now he can either look back at Jesus and say, well, I'd like to walk, but I can't. Or... He can believe that whatever this man is saying to him, that he also has the power to do it. And he can believe. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, Take up your bed and what? And walk. Again, he's got two choices. He's heard the Word of God. Now he's got two choices. He can either lay there in his spot and not believe, or he can hear the Word of God and he can say, If I confess my sin... He is faithful and He is just to forgive me and cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. He does it. And He can say, if He said it, He must also have the power to do it, right? And guess what that man did in the Bible? He got up and he took off walking. Now, was it any power in that man to be able to do that? No. He had no power to do it, did he? 
The only power he had was believing that what God said, God also had the power to do it. And when he heard the Word of God, he got up and he walked. And this morning, if you've heard the Word of God and you feel Him drawing on you and you fail the test, your responsibility is to hear the Gospel and you come cry out to Him, God, I want to walk. I want to follow You. I want to be cleansed from all of my sins and I know that You gave Your Son so that I could be cleansed. And whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have what? And by faith you hear the Word. And faith cometh by what? And hearing the Word of Christ. And just like that lame man, you've got two choices. You can lay there in your sin. You can keep staying exactly where you are or you can feel the draw of God and you can answer the call and you can come out of your darkness into the light and you can be saved. That's between you and God. My job is just to preach the gospel. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. The next test. This is number 2 on the test. Starting in verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a what? A liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He also walked. So number two on the test is very simple. Do you keep His commandments and do you walk like He walked? Now somebody's saying, well no, because sometimes I lie, sometimes I steal, sometimes I... He's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. He is and He's not. See, you remember back whenever Jesus was tested by a lawyer, a lawyer came up and he said, Hey Jesus, which commandment of God is the greatest? And Jesus looked back at him and he said, Well, there's actually two of them. The first one is, Love the Lord your God and Him alone shall you love and serve. The second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two hang all the law and the prophets. If you love God the way you're supposed to love God, everything else falls in line. If you love your neighbor the way you're supposed to love your neighbor, everything else falls in line. You don't need 600 other commandments. Alright? Alright, and so do you remember whenever Jesus was having the Last Supper and He was washing His disciples' feet? And He said to them, A new commandment I give to you. Anybody remember what it was? that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So again, the commandments that he's talking about following here, if you really want to know if you're born again, the question is, do you love others? You say, well, I don't know if you're telling me the truth here. We'll go to 1 John. Let's see what he says to us. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 23 and 24. Hold your place in two because we're coming right back to it. But look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Just so you know, I ain't telling you something that's not... And I ain't got nothing to give you this morning but the Word of God, okay? You came in here looking for a show. I'm not the, I'm not the one. Verse 23. And this is His commandment 
that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and do what? And love one another just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. So there's two commandments Jesus has. Believe on Him is the first one. In other words, do you believe that He is who He says He is? Do you put faith in it? Not just the kind of belief Nicodemus had, but do you believe that He is everything He said He is? And then love one another is the second commandment. And here's the motivation for it. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Because John don't leave anything out here. You get the motivation for it. Here's why you love one another. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Let's keep going. Here's our motivation. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In other words, this is how you see it. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. So who loved who first? Matter of fact, Paul said we were His enemies. We were ungodly. We didn't want Him. We didn't want Him in our hearts. We didn't want Him in our minds. We didn't want His passions. We wanted our passions. But keep reading. <clears throat> he says here that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the appeasement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to do what? Love one another. Here's the motivation. If you want to know if you've been born again, the question is, have you truly experienced the love of God? Do you know who... You are. You remember um, the parable of the unforgiving debtor? There were two debtors. One guy owed, I think it was an equivalent of today's money, of $6 billion. That's what he owed. Anybody in here got a $6 billion debt? Anybody in here have any trouble paying off a $6 billion debt? So we got this man, he's got a $6 billion bet, okay? Or a bet, I'm sorry, he's gambling, he ain't gambling. He's got a $6 billion debt. <coughs> then we've got another guy, and this guy owes him a $50,000 debt. So big difference, right? The man who owed the $6 billion debt was called to the king to pay his debt. The man got there, and guess what? He can't pay it. He, he, he cannot pay it. Matter of fact, if he works his entire life, he can't pay it. And the Bible says that when he got there, that the king said, okay, you take that man and you throw him, his wife, his kids, you throw them all into prison and they will work until they pay the last cent off. And the man got down on his knees and he begged and he pleaded and he said, Sir, please give me time, be patient with me and I'll do the best I can to pay off the last cent. But the king understood I don't care if this man does work for the rest of his life. He cannot pay. He owes a debt that he cannot pay. 
And that king looked at the man and the Bible says that he had mercy on him. And he said to him, I forgive it all. And the man walks away with his family and everything just debt free of $6 billion. He don't owe anything. But on the way home, he crosses the guy that owes him $50,000. And he comes up and he says, Hey, you owe me $50,000. Pay me what you owe me. The man says, I can't pay you. If I worked my whole life, I couldn't, I, I couldn't pay you. Please have mercy on me. Please just be patient with me and I'll do the best I can to pay it off. But you know what that man did? He said, no. He said, go take him, his wife, his kids, and you throw them in the prison and you work them until they pay the very last cent. But some of the servants of the king were passing by when that man did that. And they went back to the king and said, hey, you remember that guy that um, you forgave $6 billion for? Yeah, I remember him. Well, he met a guy that owed him $50,000. And that man pleaded for mercy and he threw him in prison. And the king said, go get that man, his family, and you lock them away. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth where they're going. And the point of it is this. Apparently, the man never really experienced the forgiveness that was shown him. Because if he had of experience the love that was shown him, what should have overflowed out of him to this next one? That's exactly right. The point is this. If you have truly been born of God, God is love. And if you truly understand what God has forgiven you, if you truly understood the debt that you owe that you cannot repay, what is naturally going to come from you is an overflow of that mercy and that love toward others. And anybody, here's the test, if you say that you have fellowship with God and that you walk with God and yet you don't love and you don't follow His commandments, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. And one day you will stand before Him and you will give an account just like that other man did. He'll stand and he'll say to you, you know, you asked me to forgive you, and I offered that forgiveness to you, but apparently you didn't receive it. Because if you had have received it, there's no way that you could have held such a minor debt as this against someone else instead of showing that same kind of love and that same kind of forgiveness. Let me tell you something. I've been offended many times in this life. Any of y'all ever been offended by anybody? Some of y'all sitting in these pews right now have offended me so greatly that I've wanted to grab you by your neck. I want to just, <laughs> I want to just slap you around a little bit and say, what's wrong with you people? Alright? I mean, just so offended, I think, why do I even do this? Y'all don't pay me nothing! What am I doing here? But I always come back to this right here. And I'll treat you. I will treat you the same way that God... Now, does that mean that I don't have hurt feelings and I don't have emotions that I have to, to work through? No. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to treat you the same way that God treats me. And I'll work on my emotions. 
I'll work on dealing with my anger and I'll work on dealing with the things that I know don't belong. But I am going to treat you the same way that God treated me. You know why? Because I know. I know what God has done for me. I know that I was His enemy. I know that I was ungodly. I know that I was a wretch when He found me. And yet by His mercy, when His loving kindness appeared, He saved me. Not because of anything I've done, but just simply because of His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Man. I got too much. I'll tell you what. I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to pick up next week and we're going to carry on and we're going to finish this test. But so far, you've at least been given two to evaluate yourself. If you don't hate your sin and you are comfortable walking in darkness but yet you think you have fellowship with Him, listen to me, you fail the test. You fail the test. And I don't say that because I want to see... I'm not that teacher up here just looking forward to seeing his students fail. No, I want to see you pass. I want to see you pass. But I won't. I preach these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. And if you don't know it, that you would come and you would cry out to Him and that you would hear Him say to you, if you confess your sin, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and truth's not in you. But if you'll confess your sin and you'll by faith trust in the gospel that He gave His Son as the propitiation or the appeasement for my sin, and you'll believe that whosoever should believe on Him should not perish but have eternal life, and you'll say, I hear the Word, I'm lame, I can't walk. But I believe you. I believe you. And I want to get up and I want to walk. And if you'll do that by faith this morning, I promise you, God will save you. He'll save you. But it's only by His grace through faith. And I pray if you're feeling drawn this morning that you would have this. Listen, if you say that you walk with Him and yet uh, you don't show love toward others, you don't obey His commandments to believe on the name of God, or to believe on the name of His Son, and to love one another the way that He has loved you, if you don't have that in you this morning, I'm sorry to tell you, you failed the test. Or maybe you're so far backslidden, you've quenched the Holy Spirit so much that you just don't even feel it anymore. And maybe this morning you feel it, you need to humble yourself before Him and confess your sin and believe by faith that He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all your unrighteousness and turn around and start following Him again. But one thing about it is this. You don't have to leave here this morning without being born again if you've heard the Word of God and He's drawing you. And you don't have to leave here this morning continue in walking in darkness. You can humble yourself and you can turn back to the light and He will forgive you and He will cleanse you. Whichever you decide to do is on you. If I can help you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to just talk to you um, if Nick can help you. And, and it ain't going to probably be a quick little prayer at the altar. It's probably going to be, we're going to sit down and look and see what the Word, thus says the Lord. And then it's going to be simple. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you trust it? But whatever you need this morning, I pray that before you leave, today is the day of salvation.
if you'll receive it, it's available.